0: This is your nautical lantern upon the dangerous seas of darkness. Let's push off from a placid shore of the status quo and explore what's beyond the horizon. I am your host, BT, and this is Truth and Shadow, your podcast of the supernatural. Greetings, listeners. Welcome to Truth and Shadow podcast. I am your host, BT, and this episode is going to take you on a journey of my personal background where I've come from, and where I developed intellectually. This is an introduction episode, and I would like to give a foundational working to individuals who are listening to these episodes to know where I've come from, where I've been, and ideally where we're going. We're going to cover root philosophies that I moved through as it pertains to this particular show, I will probably do more of these in the future, probably in between seasons. That's the goal. To give you listeners a bit of a background and to understand where I come from. And open up your minds and hearts to new information that could help anybody else along the journey that they have found themselves in. Today I want this episode to be about various philosophies intellectualisms that I moved through my late teen years into my early 20s, reading widely of a lot of these authors, and I've attempted to paraphrase much of it. Otherwise, it would definitely be several hours long of an episode, and I don't think anybody, even myself, wants to hear me talking for that long. I want to begin this episode by giving some background information on who I'm going to talk about. Then I'm going to move into deeper examinations of each of these people and their philosophies that influenced me through time. And I ordered them in a historical dating, not in a personal interaction dating. So when I begin to talk about each of these philosophers in kind, I will mention briefly where I began listening or reading about them. I'm going to start with Plato. Plato was actually one of the first I read about mainly through Plato's Republic, where he writes about Socrates. As we know, Plato was a Greek philosopher who learned his philosophy from Socrates. And Plato himself emphasized reason and the soul's immortality. Many of you may or may not be aware. However, he had this large allegory known as Allegory of the Cave, in which it symbolizes the journey from ignorance to enlightenment. I'll be talking about Aristotle. I came across Aristotle in my late 20s. Didn't read much of his writings, as I didn't find his particular philosophy compatible with my own thinking at the time. Aristotle was a student of Plato, and he focused on empirical observation and logic, and even developed systems of ethics, politics, and natural philosophy. We'll talk about Second Temple Judaism, or Judaism's, and their philosophy. This information came to me in the early 2010s. We're going to talk about Jewish thought, which evolved during the Second Temple period, blending Hellenistic ideas. Figures like Philo of Alexandria combined Jewish and Greek philosophy. We'll talk about early Christian philosophy and theology very briefly. And this is my, my background. I was brought up in a Christian household, and I learned a lot of non-denominational theology, but I also learned a lot of Christian philosophy and theology from study of Bibles, again, mostly from non-denominational resources. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how early Christians, such as Augustine and Origen, merged Christian beliefs with Greco-Roman philosophy, and how they explored concepts like the nature of God and the problem of evil we'll talk about thomas aquinas's philosophy thomas aquinas is somebody that i've barely scratched the surface on probably about 10 years ago in the mid 2010s with aristotle due to the fact that much of thomas aquinas and aristotle seem to be together in a lot of their philosophy thomas aquinas was a medieval theologian and he harmonized christian theology with aristotle's ideas the big work many are familiar with is called the Summa Theologica, which synthesized faith and reason. We're going to talk about Hermeticism briefly. This was information that I was learning in the when I was a practicing occultist, and not long after I stepped away from New Age movement, I stepped into Hermeticism and deeper occult things, and I talk about that. Hermeticism is a philosophy and mystical tradition, commonly attributed to Hermes Trismegistus. It emphasizes the unity of the spiritual and material worlds. Last, we're going to talk about alternative history researchers. I've got a couple of individuals in mind, and this goes back to when I was probably around 10 years of age, and I had a library card, and I found a book written by this guy named Zachariah. Sitchin. The book was called Twelfth Planet. And ever since then, I was curious about alternative history researchers. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about the researchers in this field who explore unconventional historical narratives and theories, often challenging mainstream historical interpretations. And as we get started with Plato, his philosophy is commonly known as Platonism. And this kind of philosophy really is a journey into the forms the world of forms and as we embark on this philosophical journey an ancient and influential school of thought that had emerged in the 4th century BC named after the famed philosopher plato this tradition has left an indelible mark on western philosophy science metaphysics politics plato himself was born around 428 427 BC He was born in Athens and was a student of Socrates, and he taught Aristotle. Most of the stuff that we have about Plato was written through dialogues written by Aristotle. And then Plato's philosophical system itself really covers a lot of topics. He moves from metaphysics to epistemology to ethics, politics. But at the heart of Platonism is this concept of forms or ideas, this central tenet In Platonism is this theory of forms. Plato believed that the physical world we perceive with our senses is a mere shadow, or an imperfect copy at most, of a higher non-material reality. These higher realities, the forms, exist beyond the physical world and are eternal, unchanging, and perfect. In Plato's famous allegory of the cave, he illustrates this concept by describing individuals imprisoned in a cave, seeing only shadows of objects cast on the wall. The actual reality, he posits, lies outside the cave, representing the world of forms. Forms, according to Plato, have several characteristics. They're universal, so forms are universal and abstract concepts that apply to all instances of a particular quality. For instance, the form of beauty encompasses all instances of beauty in the physical world. They have an unchanging nature. Forms are immutable and eternal unlike the physical world, they do not decay or change over time. They have an independent existence. Forms exist independently of human thought or perception. This means whether a person exists or doesn't exist, somebody thinks about it or doesn't think about it, doesn't matter, forms such as beauty exists, period. In Plato's view, philosophers were the best equipped to access the realm of forms. It was the philosopher that can glimpse the truth through rigorous philosophical inquiry and dialectical reasoning to apprehend these forms. The idea of the philosopher as a guardian of wisdom and truth profoundly influenced the development of intellectual education in Greece and beyond. In short, it really began an intellectual exercise in showing that if you wanted to learn something, you had to go to a quote-unquote expert. Platonism has important ethical implications. Plato believed that the knowledge of the forms, particularly the form of good, is the key to living a virtuous and just life. According to Plato, by understanding the form of good, individuals can make morally correct choices and lead a life of harmony and balance. This idea laid the groundwork for developing virtue ethics in what became Western philosophy. Now, While Platonism had significantly impacted the history of philosophy, it's not without its critics. Some of the common objections include lack of empirical basis. Critics argue that Plato's forms, lack empirical evidence, making them abstract and disconnected from the real world. Infinite regress. The theory of forms can lead to the problem of infinite regress. If each particular in the physical world corresponds to a higher form, what explains the forms? Elitism. Plato's assertion that philosophers are the sole guardians of truth and virtue has been criticized as elitist. It raises questions about who gets to define and access truth. Platonism itself isn't without its influence on the world, and we know that the legacy of Platonism is profound and enduring. You know, it was a major influence on early Christianity. Many of the early Christian theologians, such as Augustine of Hippo, were heavily influenced by Platonism. They incorporated Platonic ideas, including the soul's immortality, into Christian theology. Platonism had a massive impact on science. The concept of immutable and universal laws provided a foundation for the development of modern science. Thinkers like Galileo or Kepler saw themselves uncovering the eternal truths governing the physical world. Plato's ideas on beauty and art have influenced aesthetics the search for timeless and universal principles of beauty can be traced back to Plato. Platonism itself continues to be a subject of contemporary philosophical discourse. Modern philosophers interpret and adapt Plato's ideas to address current concerns. Some even argue for reviving Platonism in philosophy of mind and metaphysics. In conclusion, with its theory of forms and emphasis on the philosopher's quest for truth, this philosophical tradition has left an indelible mark on Western thought. It has influenced fields as diverse as ethics, theology, science, and aesthetics. While it has faced criticism over the centuries, the enduring appeal of Platonism lies in its exploration of the nature of reality and the pursuit of universal truth. Next, we're going to delve into Aristotelianism. That's a philosophical tradition that bears the imprint of the name of one of the greatest thinkers in history, Aristotle. He was born around 384 in Greece. Aristotle's ideas continue to shape our understanding of the natural world, ethics, politics, and more. Aristotle was a student of Plato and a teacher of Alexander the Great, and he is renowned for his contributions to nearly every field of knowledge in his time. His works encompass many subjects, and his influence on Western thought is immeasurable. The Aristotelian tradition, often called Aristotelianism, contains his philosophical, scientific, and ethical insights. One of Aristotle's pivotal contributions in his approach to empirical science is that he believed knowledge is gained through observation and classification of the natural world. He meticulously studied the flora and fauna of his time, laying the foundation for what we now call biology. His works, such as Historia Animalium, are early examples of systematic biological research. Aristotle introduced the concept of the four causes to explain the processes in the natural world. They are the material cause. This refers to the physical substance from which everything is made. For instance, the the material cause of a wooden table is the wood itself. Formal cause. This represents the essential characteristic or form of a thing. In the case of the table, the blueprint or design makes it a table. The fact that it has a flat surface and legs. The efficient cause. This pertains to agents or forces that bring something into existence. The efficient cause. This pertains to the agents or forces that bring something into existence. It answers what caused this thing to come into being. In the case of the table, it would be the carpenter who made it. Final cause. The final cause refers to the purpose or end goal of a thing. The pencil serves its purpose. By writing, Aristotle's teleological view of the universe posits that everything in nature has a purpose or end. He argued that there must be an ultimate purpose or prime mover that sets the universe in motion. This concept, known as the unmoved mover, has profoundly influenced theistic philosophy, particularly in developing the idea of God as the ultimate cause of all causes. Aristotle's ethics, as articulated in his Nicomachean ethics are centered on the concept of happiness, or flourishing. According to Aristotle, the path to happiness is through virtuous living. He identified a set of moral virtues as the means to achieve this well-being state. Aristotle had also distinguished between moral virtues, courage, honesty, generosity, and vices. In his view, virtue lies in the middle between deficiency and excess. For example, courage is a virtue but recklessness and cowardice represent extremes. Aristotle also recognized intellectual virtues, which are developed through education and in contemplation. These virtues like wisdom and prudence guide us in making good choices. In his his book called Politics, Aristotle explored the structure and purpose of the ideal state. He believed that the state is a natural institution, and its primary goal is to promote the well-being of its citizens. For centuries to come, Aristotle's political philosophy laid the groundwork for discussions on governance, justice, and civic duty. Aristotelianism has faced its share of criticism as well. Some have even challenged Aristotle's views on slavery or natural philosophy, arguing that they were products of his time and his culture. Aristotle has had a profound and lasting impact on the history of philosophy. Scholasticism, for example... In the Middle Ages, Aristotelianism was integrated into the philosophy of the Catholic Church through scholasticism. The works of figures like Thomas Aquinas sought to harmonize Aristotle's ideas with Christian theology. The Renaissance and Enlightenment The revival of Aristotle's works during the Renaissance and the Enlightenment contributed to the development of modern philosophy and science. A little aside on that, at some point in time, during what history has called the Dark Ages, many of these philosophies had all but disappeared from the western world due to all the wars between people groups and disease the the writings of plato aristotle socrates and many more pretty much disappeared from the western libraries black death plague that was brought in by infected rats and the the way things dealt with the way it was dealt with, involved burning buildings. And an example would be if somebody who was known to have the plague would enter into, say, a library and spent time in the library. The consequence of the Black Plague and the extreme views that the people of the time had was the building had to be burned, and they would burn the building to the ground. And this meant countless millions of books burned away in these dark ages. However, Due to the fact that the Muslims had a massive desire to learn everything about the world, they had gathered a lot of these texts themselves and translated them into Arabic and a couple other languages in the Middle East. It was the Muslims who preserved the Greek texts of Plato, of Aristotle. The understanding that we know today about Socrates and many of the Greek philosophers owes a large debt of gratitude to the muslim people and it was in that period of the renaissance that these texts were being translated from arabic into italian or into french or into into latin whichever language people were finding these books and as knowledge about aristotle spread we get the development of scholasticism as i mentioned There's a Renaissance and an Enlightenment period because everybody is now being re exposed to these Greek philosophers, especially Aristotle. And we get the development of Thomas Aquinas, for example. Well, in conclusion about Aristotelianism, we find that it's a rich and enduring tradition. It's grounded in Aristotle's commitment to empirical observation, ethical virtue, and the study of the natural world. And because of this, we must acknowledge that Aristotle's profound insights continue to inspire schools and scientists, philosophers, to this day, providing a foundation for understanding the complexities of our world and the moral principles that guide our actions. This next philosophy I wanted to talk about is called Stoicism, and it's a school of thought that has itself withstood the test of time. It's been offering wisdom and guidance on how to live a life of resilience, virtue, and inner tranquility for centuries. It originated in ancient Greece and Rome, but continues to influence modern philosophy, psychology, and self help literature to this day. As a philosophical tradition, Stoicism finds its roots in ancient Greece, with notable f- figures like Zeno and Cleanthines. However, it was the Roman philosophers Seneca, Epictetus, and the emperor Marcus Aurelius who brought Stoicism into the forefront during the Roman Empire. Stoicism derives from a Latin term or a Latin title of a painting in Athens where Zeno and his students met for philosophical discussions. Stoicism is characterized by several core principles, and they lay a foundation for its philosophy of life. Central to Stoicism is the belief that the highest good, the ultimate goal of human existence, is virtue. Virtue is defined as living following reason, reason, and wisdom, and manifests as wisdom, courage, justice, and self-discipline. And Stoics distinguish between things within and outside our control. Uh, We have control over our thoughts, our actions, our judgments, while external events and other people are outside of our control. The Stoic focuses on mastering the former and accepting the latter. Stoicism encourages individuals to accept the universe's natural order and face adversity with a rational and composed mind. The Stoic mindset involves understanding that suffering often arises from irrational beliefs and irrational desires. The Stoic believes in living in harmony with the world's n- natural order. This means embracing the rationality that it is that is inherent and aligning one's life with reason and wisdom. Uh, Stoic, Stoicism places a great importance on ethical living and cultivating virtues to attain this inner flourishing, this life worth living. The four cardinal virtues of Stoicism are Wisdom, uh, Sophia, and I'll probably mispronounce all these Greek words. I wrote them down, and I haven't spoken them out loud before. Uh, Wisdom, this virtue emphasizes rationality, uh, good judgment, and the ability to distinguish between what is within and without our control. Courage, Andrea, According to Stoicism, courage is the ability to face advers- adversity and hardships with inner strength and resilience. Justice. Justice entails fairness and treating others with kindness and respect, recognizing the inherent value of every individual. Temperance it involves self discipline and moderation in one's desires and actions, avoiding excesses and overindulgence. The fourth virtue is temperance. And it involves self-discipline and moderation in one's desires and actions, avoiding excess and over-indulgence. Stoicism is not merely a theoretical philosophy, but practical in application. The Stoic practice of mindfulness involves continuous self-examination, self-correction. By regularly reflecting on one's thoughts and behaviors, individuals can align their lives more closely with the Stoic virtues and principles. Stoicism is not a philosophy in isolation, but emphasizes its importance in social interactions and community. The Stoic ideal is to be a good citizen, supportive of a friend, and a contributing member of society. Stoicism's enduring appeal can be observed in its influence on various aspects of contemporary thought and practice. A modern psychotherapy called cognitive behavior therapy draws upon Stoic principles CBT helps individuals recognize and challenge irrational beliefs and develop healthier thought patterns. Stoic principles are often integrated into modern self-help literature and personal development books. Authors like Ryan Holiday, with books like The Daily Stoic, offer a modern interpretation of stoicism for a broader audience. Stoic principles have been adopted in leadership and business ethics. Ethical decision-making and leading with virtue has become a cornerstone of modern corporate leadership. While Stoicism has much to offer, it has not been without criticism. Some argue that Stoicism and its emphasis on emotional suppression may hinder emotional well-being, and its acceptance of social hierarchies and indifference to political change has been challenged. In short, Stoicism, focusing on virtue, resilience, and rational living, offers a timeless framework for navigating life's challenges. It emphasizes the importance of self-examination, ethical behavior, and embracing adversity with equanimity. Stoicism's principles have found relevance and application in various fields, from psycho- psychotherapy to leadership, reminding us of the enduring power of ancient wisdom. Next is a period of time called the Second Temple Judaism, and there is a bit of un- unveiling of ancient Jewish thought that I want to go through. And the disclaimer is I'm, I'm not a Jewish scholar. I'm not an expert in this field. Instead, I'm going to share information that I have learned And many of you can find these resources by a simple search of Second Temple Judaism. This period, roughly from the 6th century BC to the 1st century AD, was marked by a significant developments of Jewish thought, including various sects, apocalyptic literature, and profound engagement with Hellenistic ideas to understand Second Temple Judaism and any kind of philosophy we may glean from it requires grasping the historical and cultural context. The term Second Temple refers to the Jewish Holy Temple in Jerusalem, which replaced the First Temple after its destruction by the Babylonians. This era witnessed the return of Jews from Babylon exile and complex interplay of local Jewish traditions and external influences. A prominent feature of Second Temple Judaism was the rise of Jewish sects, each with distinct theological, religious, and philosophical beliefs. The three of note are the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Essenes. The Pharisees were committed to strict observance of Jewish law and the oral tradition. They believed in the resurrection of the dead and held a form of afterlife theology. The Sadducees, in contrast, rejected oral tradition and denied resurrection of the dead. They were often associated with the priestly class and held more conservative religious views. The Essenes, they were ascetic and mystical group, known for their celibacy, communal living, and rigorous adherence to purity laws. They're the ones that authored the Dead Sea Scrolls. Second Temple Judaism was marked by a genuine expectation of a messianic figure who'd bring deliverance and usher in a new era. Apocalyptic literature such as the Book of Daniel, Book of Enoch, etc., played a significant role in shaping these expectations. The period also saw the influence of Hellenistic culture and thought due to the conquest of Alexander the Great. The fusion of Jewish and Greek ideas resulted in a syncretic bond. Exemplified by the translation of the Hebrew Bible into Greek, known as the Septuagint, the wisdom tradition emerged as a philosophical and theological system within Second Temple Judaism. It focused on the pursuit of wisdom, ethical living, and understanding the nature of the divine. The Book of Proverbs and the Wisdom of Solomon are texts associated with this tradition. One of the most influential figures during this era was Philo of Alexandria. He was a Hellenistic Jewish philosopher who sought to reconcile Greek philosophy, mainly the Platonic and the Stoic ideas with Jewish thought. Philo's philosophy revolved around the transcendent, ineffable God, and he proposed allegorical interpretations of biblical texts to harmonize Greek and Jewish concepts. Another significant development during the Second Temple Period was the emergence of Enochic literature associated with the biblical figure Enoch. That would be the seventh from Noah. The Book of Enoch-related writings and related writings explored themes of angels, cosmic visions, and esoteric knowledge from the heavens. These texts had a profound impact on later Jewish and Christian thought. The heightened expectation of the Messiah and the end of time marked second temple judaism various texts including the book of daniel and dead sea scrolls contain apocalyptic visions of a final judgment and the arrival of a divinely appointed savior the period of second temple judaism came to a dramatic close with the destruction of the second temple in 70 a.d by the romans this event had profound repercussions on jewish thought as it forced a reevaluation of the relationship between judaism and the temple the nature of jewish identity and the direction of jewish philosophy The theological and dynamic diversity that had engaged with Hellenistic ideas laid the groundwork for rabbinic Judaism's evolution and the Jewish diaspora's growth. Additionally, the messianic and apocalyptic themes of this period continued to influence later Christian beliefs and theology. In conclusion, the Second Temple period philosophy is a testament to the intellectual and spiritual dynamism of a critical period in history. The interplay of sex, apocalyptic literature, Hellenistic influence, and the pursuit of wisdom reflect a complex tapestry of ideas that emerged during that era. Next on our list to talk about is early Christian philosophy at the intersection of faith and reason. This is a period of time after the resurrection of Christ, and in this period it witnessed the emergence of profound theological questions and the fusion of Greco-Roman philosophy with Christian faith. And I'm going to do this briefly because there's actually quite a lot of notes here. Early Christian philosophy emerged in a world that was already shaped by Hellenistic and Roman thought. The teachings of Jesus Christ and the writings of the Apostles deeply influenced it. This period, which roughly spans from the 1st to the 6th century AD, is marked by the search for theological answers and the articulation of Christian beliefs. In the context of the intellectual climate of the time one of the early challenges faced by these christians is the need to defend and explain its belief to a skeptical and often hostile world christian apologists such as justin martyr and tertullian took on this task by using philosophical arguments to make christianity accessible to the educated elite justin martyr a brief about him is a christian convert he sought to demonstrate the rationality of the christian beliefs He argued that the Logos, a concept drawn from Greek philosophy, was presented in the teachings of Christ and the Bible. Justin's writings laid the groundwork for the Christian doctrine of the Logos, later developed by the theologians, and that was developed by Justin Martyr. Next we have, we mentioned Tertullian, and he, in contrast, emphasized the incompatibility of Christian faith with philosophy. He famously said, what has Athens to do with Jerusalem. His position reflects the tension between the faith and reason that would persisted throughout Christian history. The next up in philosophy, we have what we call the patristic fathers in the formation of doctrine. I'm going to name a couple of guys here. We'll talk about Clement of Alexandria, Origen, Augustine of Hippo. So Clement of Alexandria was a prominent figure in early Christian thought and influenced by both Platonism and Stoicism. He believed philosophy was a preparation for faith and saw Christianity as the true philosophy that fulfilled human longing for wisdom. Origen, another influential theologian, applied allegorical interpretation to the Bible. Reflecting a Neoplatonic idea, his theological works helped establish the doctrine of the Trinity. Augustine of Hippo, perhaps the most significant figure in early Christian philosophy, integrated Platonic and Neoplatonic thought, Into his theological writings. He explored profound theological questions such as the nature of evil, the relationship between faith and reason. His seminal work, called Confessions, provides an intimate account of his spiritual journey. Early Christian philosophy had a profound influence on Western thought. The synthesis of faith and reason, as exemplified by Augustine, became a cornerstone of medieval scholastic philosophy. Early Christian thinkers also laid the groundwork for developing Christian ethics political philosophy, and theology. And another thing of note that I do want to talk about is the rise of monasticism in early Christian period also reflected the fusion of philosophical and religious ideas. It was figures like Anthony of Egypt and Benedict of Nursia who pursued lives of asceticism, contemplation, and prayer, drawing from Stoic and Neoplatonic principles to guide their spiritual journeys. Early Christian philosophy was not without its challenges. Even today, theological disputes and schisms within the early church led to conflicts and controversies. The Arian heresy over the nature of Christ, these challenges, shaped the development of Christian doctrine over time. In conclusion, the early Christian philosophy represents a pivotal period in history. It witnessed the encounter between Christian faith and Greco-Roman philosophy, resulting in the development of profound theological ideas. Early Christian philosophers had grappled with questions about the nature of Christ, problem of evil, the relationship between faith and reason, lying the foundation for centuries of Christian theological exploration. Briefly, I'm going to talk about Thomas Aquinas next, considering he is a towering figure in the history of Western thought, not merely in Christian thought. He was born in 1225 in Italy, He was a Dominican friar, a theologian-philosopher, whose work has profound and enduring impact on theology, metaphysics, ethics, and epistemology today. Thomas Aquinas, often referred to as Aquinas, is known for his monumental synthesis of Christian theology and Aristotelian philosophy. Prominent figure in the scholastic tradition, a method of inquiry and teaching that flourished during the Middle Ages, The scholastics sought to reconcile Christian faith with reason and the classical philosophical tradition, particularly using the works of Aristotle, the newly rediscovered works of Aristotle, I might add. At the heart of Aquinas' philosophy lies the reconciliation of faith and reason. He believed that faith and reason are not contradictory, but complementary. Faith provides insight into divine truth. Reason allows us to understand the natural world. Aquinas argued that faith should enlighten reason, and reason should serve to clarify and defend faith. Thomas Aquinas' concept of God is deeply influenced by Aristotelian thought. He described God as the unmoved mover, an unchanging pure act of existence. God, in his view, is the ultimate source of all being, the cause of the world, and the goal of human existence. Aquinas' philosophy has profound and enduring influence. For both the Catholic Church and Western philosophy, particularly, one of his most famous contributions is his five ways, demonstrating the existence of God. These five ways are, one, the first mover. Aquinas's first way is based on the principle of motion. He argued that everything in the world is in motion and requires a mover. Ultimately, there must be an unmoved mover, which he identified as God. Causality. The second way focuses on the principle of causality. Aquinas posited that everything in the world is caused by something else. Therefore, there must be a first cause, or an uncaused cause, which he identifies as God. Contingency and necessity. The third way addresses the distinction between contingent and necessary beings. Since there are contingent beings in the world, there must be a necessary being that explains their existence. God. Gradation. Aquinas' fourth way is rooted in gradation or degrees of perfection. He argued that there must be a being of maximum perfection, God, against which all other beings are measured. Design and purpose. The fifth way, design and purpose, often associated with the teleological argument, focuses on the idea of purpose and design in the universe. Aquinas contended that the natural order and purpose of the world... Is to point to a divine designer, God. Now, while Aquinas' thought has enjoyed widespread recognition and influence, it's not without his own critics. Some contemporary philosophers have challenged aspects of his metaphysical and theological framework. For example, objections have been raised against his arguments for the existence of God, and his views on the relationship between faith and reason have been a subject of ongoing discussion. In conclusion with Thomas Aquinas... We know he is a figure of monumental importance to history. His groundbreaking work, the Summa Theologica, his legacy endures to this day, shaping discussions in philosophy and guiding the relationship between faith and reason. This last little bit I want to talk about the alternative history research, and basically about these unconventional explorers of the past. and briefly talk about each one. Alternative history researchers come from diverse backgrounds and bring unique perspectives. Some of the key figures in alternate history research include uh, Eric Von Doniken, Zacharias Stitchin Graham Hancock, and a few others. These researchers are known for their unconventional ideas and willingness to explore topics that may be considered outside the mainstream. Research and alternative history often propose theories and ideas that challenge established historical and archaeological interpretations. For example, Graham Hancock has suggested that advanced prehistoric civilizations may have existed and influenced the construction of ancient monuments like the Egyptian pyramids. Eric von Doniken has explored the idea that astronauts from time immemorial visited Earth Zachariah, Stitchin's work centers on the concept of the Anunnaki, a group of he believes to be extraterrestrial beings in Sumerian mythology. These theories introduce unconventional elements, and they bring them into the study of history and archaeology, often drawing from ancient texts, myths, and symbols to support these claims. Alternative history researchers often face significant skepticism and criticism from mainstream historians, archaeologists, and scientists. Curtis argues that many of the theories put forth by these researchers lack empirical evidence. They rely on speculative interpretations and do not align with the principles of of the scientific method. The impact of alternative history research is complex. While these researchers themselves are often criticized within the academic world, their work has inspired public interest and debate. And it's my opinion that conversations that are brought within the scientific world and the alternate history world, these conversations need to happen. Remember, we talked about Plato and the fact that it was him who argued that it was the philosophers who were the gatekeepers of knowledge and wisdom. And this may have been maintained through to the present time. People should be free to explore and argue alternative views and discuss them in an open and economical manner that people find support for positive discussion and development. A few of the guys, a few of the alternative researchers that impacted me in my life and my thinking when I was younger, the first one that comes to mind is Emanuel Velikovsky. Now this guy, Emanuel Velikovsky, was a name that invokes both fascination and controversy. He was a figure prominent in the mid-20th century, and he made a significant contribution to the pseudoscience field mainly in his book called The World in Collision. While the scientific community vehemently opposed Velikovsky's ideas and theories, they remained widespread in public attention and interest. He was born on June 10, 1895, in Russia. He grew up in a Jewish family and displayed keen intellect from an early age. He studied at the University of Edinburgh, and moved to the United States where he continued his education at Princeton University and eventually earned a medical degree from the University of Moscow, Dr. Emmanuel Velikovsky. One of his most famous works talk about is Worlds in Collision. It was published in 1950. In this book, he put full, forth a series of extraordinary and unorthodox theories about the solar system and its history. Central to the argument was the idea of a catastrophic event, such as global catastrophes and planetary collisions. He suggests that such cosmic events cause biblical catastrophes like the parting of the Red Sea and the plagues of Egypt. He also postulated that Mars had close encounters with Earth, leading to worldwide calamities. Dr. Velko- Velikovsky's theories were met with significant skepticism from the scientific Astronomers, geologists, physicists all rejected his ideas. One of the primary cons... Criticisms was the lack of evidence, empirical evidence supporting his claims. His ideas often relied on interpretation of ancient texts, which many scientists deemed unreliable sources for scientific inquiry. In short, Immanuel Velikovsky was controversial, and his ideas and theories challenged established scientific norms. While his work, Worlds in Collision, was widely rejected, it ignited public debate about the nature of science and the boundaries of scientific inquiry. His legacy reminds us of the importance of scientific rigor, empirical evidence, and peer review in the scientific pre- process. The next researcher in my field of research, his name is Graham Hancock. He was born on August 2nd of 1950 in Scotland. He grew up with a keen interest in history and exploration, eventually took a career in journalism and writing. He attended Durham University, where he studied sociology and economics, laying the foundations for his future work as a writer and researcher. The key book of his that I read that introduced me to Graham Hancock was known as The Fingerprints of the Gods. It was published in 1995, and in this book, Graham Hancock presents a series of unconventional theories about the history of human civilizations. Central in his argument was the idea of advanced past civilizations Which predate mainstream and archaeological understanding that once existed and left evidence behind of their existence. Hancock proposed that these ancient civilizations possessed advanced knowledge and technology far beyond what we have today. He suggests that these civilizations were responsible for constructing monumental structures like the Egyptian pyramids or the Sphinx. Furthermore, he argues that the ancient civilizations were connected by a global civilization destroyed by a worldwide cataclysmic event. His ideas and theories were also met with significant skepticism criticism from the scientific and archaeological communities. One of the primary criticisms has been the absence of concrete evidence to support his assertions. His ideas often rely on interpretation of archaeological sites and artifacts, which many scientists deem speculative and not backed by rigorous research. Graham Hancock's Legacy is marked by controversy and the willingness to challenge established historical narratives. His work has inspired a broader interest in alternative history and archaeology, encouraging some to question conventional historical interpretations. For me, Hancock has reminded me, and is a reminder for me, that there are rigorous standards that undergo historical research and the necessity of empirical evidence in constructing historical narratives. And it also has helped me understand that Some of that empirical evidence might yet be found, as new things are discovered every day. The last person I want to talk about is Dr. Heather Lynn. And Dr. Heather Lynn is a prominent researcher and authorist who delved into the enigmatic realm of ancient mysteries with a particular focus on the Anunnaki. We spoke about Zachariah Stitchin's views. Hers are quite a bit different, and I agree more with Dr. Lynn than Zachariah Stitchens. Dr. Lin's background is characterized by a passion for history, archaeology, and unearthing the hidden aspects of ancient civilizations. The book that got my attention that I read from her is called The Anunnaki Connection, and it's a central theme that explores the Anunnaki as a group of deities in the Sumerian mythology. And according to Sumerian texts, the Anunnakis were beings from some metaphysical place who are pivotal in shaping human civilization. The theories put forth by Dr. Len regarding the Anunnaki have faced significant skepticism and criticism from the academic and archaeological communities. This is pretty much a growing theme with all of the alternative researchers. And you're going to, whenever anybody does alternative research, they're going to butt heads with the gatekeepers of knowledge and higher learning. But it was Dr. Len's work that had inspired me to question mainstream historical narratives and consider unconventional theories about the past. And it's important for anyone, whether you're researching Christian history, Muslim history, history of the world, it doesn't matter, because there's significance in exploring ancient mysteries. And if you want to focus on a specific topic and you want to learn about the interactions between some ancient beings or an idea that extraterrestrials have come to Earth from the distant past as astronauts. These are things that are open for you to explore. And it's important that you talk to these ideas with other people. You don't have to spend your time looking for data that supports your ideas. Read things that counter your ideas. Read ideas and papers that call into question these alternative views. I did, and I find that Some of the mainstream arguments for the reason things are what they are don't make sense to me. I don't agree with them. I don't agree with Thomas Aquinas' views on angels or what Augustine had to say about them. To talk about these supernatural things, to bring out of the dust-covered tomes protected by the gatekeepers of academia, and just talk. Talk about these ideas. Talk about... Nephilim, talk about Bigfoot, talk about the Mothman. I want to talk about all these things because people have experiences and it's those experiences that have left the largest impact in their lives and has formed many of them into the people they are today. Whether our past was filled with good things that have happened to us or things brought to calamity by the hands of others, it's my hope that we can unpack the supernatural world and understand that reality isn't shaped by the things that we can touch, smell, hear, taste, or see. Reality seems to be made up of other things. And it's my opinion that hidden away in the darkness and the reaches of shadow are sinister forces that have played with the human mind, the human thought, and has helped grow and develop things that are not savory for our consumption. And it's with this thought that I leave this introduction episode. Thank you for listening. This is a free podcast and is based upon the value for value model. If you find value in this or any episode, you can return that value by liking the show, leaving a review, sharing with a friend on your social medias. You can also donate on my website. Thank you again. This is BT. For Truth and Shadow podcast, you are the light and the darkness.